0: All right. Welcome everybody. This is the first ever New Visions podcast, episode one, coming to you live from the Society of Illustrators in New York City. Um, I'm John Lee, part of the New Visions committee that's chaired by Jonathan Bartlett and also has Jensen Ekwal and Yao Xiao on it. And we're here to talk about contemporary illustration topics and issues and things that uh, need addressing in our industry. Um, so first of all, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, big shout out to all of the RVA crew that's in the uh, live chat right now. Um, if you guys haven't, please check out the previous talks that we had, the Stories Matter podcasts, um, also on the Mixler and also on YouTube through the Society of Illustrators. Um, this particular podcast is going to be a continuation of that, of that particular conversation, and we're trying to be a little bit more detailed, a little bit more nuanced. Um, and hopefully, we can have a really engaging conversation that is uh, more targeted. So today, today we're going to talk about illustration education. So this is a shout out to all the 2016 graduates. <laughs> you guys are all out there going to the real world. Um, and it's a scary place, right? Like, it's a really scary place. But hopefully, your education has prepared you for that, or not. And we're going to be talking about a lot of that stuff. Um, with me are my, my gracious and my intelligent and beautiful and talented um, <laughs> guests who uh, have a, a broad and wide um, ex- you know, variety of experiences with education. We have s- current students, recent graduates, people who, are, who have been teaching for a while now and they're all professionals and they're all working currently. So hopefully they'll, um, well, I don't wanna talk for you guys, so maybe I'll just go around kind of introduce yourself, uh, whatever you feel like you the world needs to know about you. <laughs> so, Cynthia. Okay,
1: all right. hi, um, I'm Cynthia. Uh, and I am going to be a senior at uh, Maryland Institute College of Art, Micah, um, in the fall. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the current student. <laughs>
2: um, I'm Marcus Chin, I am a freelance illustrator in New York. I'm originally from Toronto and I also am an adjunct instructor at SVA.
3: Hi, (laughs) my name is Aya Kakeda. Um, I'm a freelance illustrator. Um, I currently teach at MFA at FIT, Um, MFA illustration at FIT, and I'm originally from Japan.
4: I'm Annie Bowler. Um, I'm a recent graduate, just graduated this week from SVA's MFA illustration program. Um, And I have a very strange educational background. I did a little bit of health sciences and medicine. Uh, I studied philosophy for a while. So I bounced my way into illustration. um, And now I'm here.
0: Great, and I'm uh, John Lee. I'm Annie's classmate, actually. (laughs) We just just graduated on Wednesday, (laughs) which is crazy. Um, but I'm also a freelancer, and uh, I've I've taught as well at, at the undergraduate level, so I'm kind of a bridge between our two experience levels here. So hopefully, I'll have a good talk. All right, so I'm just gonna throw this out here, kind of give a little prompt in terms of like how we're gonna steer the conversation. Um, so with the new visions, kind of uh, especially with the Stories Matters talks, we're talking specifically about diversity and inclusion. And those are like some pretty buzzwordy words, right? Those are like the, the, the buzzwordy words. You know, people like to talk about the diversity um, <laughs> at like, you know, in, in back rooms at like Google and in banks and wherever. Um, but they are at the forefront of a lot of our conversations. You know, think about stuff that went on the Academy Awards and Hollywood right now. Um, to even like who's getting published in poetry journals like everyone's talking about these things um, Because I you know for better or worse multi or for better Multiculturalism is one of the defining aspects of our generation um, And we kind of has we have to address it Not only as a source of there's a lot of like historical injustices, but also It's kind of a blueprint for the future moving on if you think about the demographics of just America changing into a minority majority country, right? <laughs> Um, so today we'll talk about specifically how it affects us as illustrators, um, designers, and educators. Um, so just like a few little, I guess, definitions. I think generally when people talk about diversity, they talk about race, gender, and sexual orientation. Um, and that's really just what diversity means. People try to talk about like we need more of the diversity. They don't really understand what that means, I don't think. And then when we talk about inclusion, we're just talking about... How do we include, accept, and support those people who may have been historically excluded from various systems and maybe taking a small step towards normalcy, normalcy of diversity as well? Um, so, what do you guys think specifically? I'll just throw it out there about not just diversity and inclusion, but the conversation about diversity and inclusion in illustration or within education. Like, just give any general thoughts of how you've Dealt with that conversation in the last, maybe just like even the last year or so.
4: Uh, well, I know at SVA, um, we kind of, I feel like our, our group, um, our cohort of classmates kind of fell into the conversation i'm not sure that it was actually brought up at all by our faculty members or any anything within the program i feel like because of the the diversity of our backgrounds coming together that we sort of brought up that conversation so i'm not sure what what other people's experiences are um, in the classroom whether there's a a formal discussion of it or or whatnot but from my experience and i'm not sure if, if you agree or disagree john it was it was really up to us to decide we wanted to explore that as a as a cohort, um, which I think we did sometimes well and some other times less less well. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I know in my experience, I mean, I haven't been a student in, gosh, like over 15 years. So um, trying to think back of what it was like as a student, those conversations never happened, um, diversity or inclusion. And I went to school at OCAD U. It wasn't... Called OCADU back then, Ontario College of Art uh, and Design University. It was called OCA, Ontario College of Art uh, in Toronto. But we never had those types of conversations, uh, my friends and I, my classmates and I. Um, uh, I feel like for us, our main concern was just to learn about illustration as, you know, the craft of creating images. Mm-hmm. Um, and in teaching at SVA. Also, um, as Annie was saying, it hasn't been formally brought up within the classroom, even though a lot of my students are of various, you know, ethnic backgrounds, sorry. Um, So yeah, but, you know, there have been some instances where some of the work that's been shown uh, might allude to The student, uh, where the student, uh, the student's um, ethnicity, um, even sexual orientation, you know, believe it or not, it's happened in one of my classes. So, um, but yeah, but formally, no, it hasn't been discussed, you know, in that capacity.
3: Yeah, for me too. Um, I went to Savannah College of Arts and Design in Georgia, um, late 90s, and went to MFA illustration at SVA in early uh, 2000. But... Um, the Sav- Savannah, uh in Savannah um, at that time, the school was pretty small, so there were not many international students. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was so diverse as a college. But in the um, in the classroom, we never formally talked about it, and also at SVA, like we didn't have chance to talk about that. Or like I didn't have a personal um, experience that I felt discriminated or anything, um, but of course, um, at teaching at FIT, I see a lot of students who are international for, or uh, from um, diverse background, and they their project sometimes could be it's it's all about their personal voice, so mm-hmm. it'll. Um, have some sort of um, voice about their culture their own culture and things like that but yeah in the classroom we don't talk about
1: um, I feel as though, yeah, definitely a lot of the the work that deals with diversity is very self-initiated by the students. Um, I think it really depends on the conversations that are being had, like, at the school, on the campus, and within the city, um, or within media. Uh, I feel as though I've seen uh, a lot of these conversations, of course not like the majority, but there are definitely students creating work uh, that are based on things like uh, culture, Um, You know, gender, sexual orientation, just uh, examining themselves and examining how they occupy the space that they're in. Um, And I think as it's it's happening more and more as like uh, diversity becomes more prevalent in just you know, topics in media, in common, you know, common conversations that we have, uh, being in Baltimore, uh, we had the uprising and, you know, that definitely inspires a lot of conversations about race and, and power and equity. Um, so I feel as though, you know, uh, as, as we kind of, as a society move on toward talking more about, uh, race and, uh, what makes us different, I think education also needs to adapt to be able to help accommodate these students who want to talk about these uh, issues in their art.
2: So was that, uh, so So what you were talking about, was it cross-disciplinary? So it was just illustration, maybe like fabric arts, or not fabric, uh, material arts and design, uh, painting, et cetera?
1: Yeah, I think yeah. there's definitely, um, you know, all around like the campus, you know, conversations are being had outside of the classrooms and within the classrooms. Okay. And uh, students who feel personally affected by the events uh, have created some pieces, and
4: mm-hmm. and were your were your professors helping to facilitate a safe space for the students to be able to like express that and connect it to their work? I think it really depends on uh, the the
1: people, um, mm-hmm. like both both the students and the and the teachers. They're, you know, uh, I think all across the board, there are some teachers who might be more understanding, depending on where they come from and like their level of understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that. Uh, you know uh, also successful conversations about these sort of uh, you know pieces that might talk about these sort of issues are also dependent on like uh, your classmates and you know how well the educator can lead those conversations
0: yeah
4: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I think it's interesting too because um, part of the reason that this particular podcast is about illustration education and as I mentioned to you guys in the email, there's been you know, a, a broad cross-section of American universities, uh, even private institutions, or colleges, that have had protests um, on campus, protesting various things from the racial demographics of the faculty to the curriculum, like what things are being taught um, as canon in, in, in art history. Um, so we had talked briefly about how RISD had protests uh, in April, but as like one of many from, from VCU to Yale to Mizzou to there's all sorts of, you know, every school um, in the US basically has, has felt the impacts of this, which I think it goes back to what you're saying. It's academia is not outside of that. You know, we, we think of academia as being this kind of insular thing that is, um, I guess, buffered by the effects of the real world quote unquote, <laughs> but I think this is kind of borne out that like this stuff does affect um, students, faculty, staff alike in in academia. <clears throat> um, so uh just real briefly, I kind of wanted to, to to talk about the demographics so we we talk about like this stuff really anecdotally, so there's a, there's a few numbers that I think is really interesting um and it's kind of, we talked about it briefly in the last Stories Matter podcast, too, where so 8% of art graduates make a living as an actual artist. And this is from BFAMFAPHD.com using the U.S. Census data from 2009 to th- 2011. 17% of those actually got into education and teaching, which I think is interesting. Um, in New York City... Alone in New York City is thirty-three percent white. Seventy-four percent of the people that uh, are making a living in, living in the arts with arts degrees are are white. So there's a big, there's a very large uh, discrepancy there. And New York City is twenty-three percent black, but only seven percent of the artists with art degrees are black. Twenty-nine percent Hispanic, ten percent artists, thirteen percent Asian, then ten percent actually become artists. Then um, the American Survey of New York City from 2010 to 2012, 55% of artists working are male, even though only 42% of those uh, uh, with art degrees are, are, are male. And uh, another little sobering demographic from the National Endowment of the Arts is that in 2011, women artists only made 81 cents per dollar uh, earned by a male artist, too. Um, and then, you know, for every single th- Illustration encompasses so many different industries from from textile design to websites to Publishing or whatever, but I think publishing is actually a really good example to shine a light on specifically Um, This is from the diversity baseline survey in 2015 uh, Publishing staff from 34 major publishers and eight review journals. It is 79% white 4% black less than 1% Native American 7% Asian 6% Latino and 1% Middle Eastern it's also twenty one percent male, male and seventy eight percent female. Um, and amongst the executives, it gets even worse. where right? it's eighty six percent white. So it's a it's a very majority white industry. Um, so I think uh, data tells a story that is kind of irrefutable in terms of how we talk about this stuff. But um, you know, the demographics of art schools are are changing. You know, like I I we graduated on. Wednesday, and I, I easily, like, 35 to 40% of the students were Asian, <laughs> and they're, they're, they're broadly international, and there's just a lot of them, but then I, I see that, but then I look at who's getting the actual work, and then it's, it's kind of like, Wait, what's going on here? That's funny. Um, <laughs> so what do you guys think, like, about the dem- demographics of your schools, or the demographics of your classes? Um, do you guys just have any thoughts
2: at all about that? You know, it's kind of anecdotal, uh, but yeah. still. In my teaching experience, most of my students, well, give, you know, there's always been exceptions um, within the year, but most of my students have also been um, Asian mm-hmm. from, you know, different.
3: And yeah. a lot of female
2: students. And a lot of female students. Yeah. But again, you know, I think it's, it, 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 you know, I don't want it to be like a blanketed statement too. And it's also because of the, the class that I taught
5: Mm-hmm. So
2: um, and this is going to sort of fall within sort of a stereotype, but I taught fashion illustration, mm-hmm. and that appealed to um, women, right? You know, and within that classroom, um, there were a lot of Asian females, you know, mostly from Korea and recently from China, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so
3: the program that I'm teaching is very small. It's a MFA program, um, and it's about um 13 to 15 people and i think the director selects diversity mm-hmm. like in diversity so we have usually like 50% female 50% male it seems like i've only been there for um 4 years so during this time um and also um Thirty percent international students, mm. so there's diversity in culture too. Um, but when I go to um, other school for um, like guest speaker, I I I see a lot of female students, which mm-hmm. is I feel happy. <laughs> you know about it. <laughs> so I feel like you know in ten years. Um, illustration, um, it could change the percentage-wise that the working illustration illustrator could be maybe 50 female, 50 male. Well, you know, you what know? was really
2: interesting when I was in school, most of, I, I when I was in school in, in the 90s as well, you know, mid to late 90s, mm-hmm. I graduated in 99. And first of all, my illustration classes were very small mm-hmm. um, compared to, I feel like illustrations turned into this like Cheap. completely different mm-hmm. thing. It's like true. when I was studying illustration, I called it the dying profession. <laughs> because a lot of my teachers who I had, and even the guest lecturers, um, they talked about how much money they used to make. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of them weren't even working in the industry. And in my particular class, there were actually o- only two, I think two classes sort of running concurrently mm-hmm. alongside each other. Mostly men. Hmm. You know, I, off the top of my head, I think I could... Th- I can think of four women who were in my class. Mm. That's nothing, you yeah. know? But the mo- and it was mostly in terms of the ethnic, uh, the, the, the breakdown of ethnicity, mostly um, Asian and Caucasian. Mm.
5: That's
2: it, you know? That was the demographic when I was a student. And as a teacher, it's flipped. Mostly, fe- you know, women, mostly females mm. um, in, are in my class.
4: Yeah, I feel like our program, I was talking to our uh, director of operations. Hi, Kim, um, if you're listening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, yesterday. Just we love asked, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> everyone loves Kim. Um, we were, I was asking her some, you know, she didn't have any uh, like hard statistics, but just she's seen a lot of classes come into the MFA pr- program and she says they do all of their selection without without having they maybe have a name um so they could potentially get um a gender from that but otherwise they don't know until afterwards and she said that they've had years where it's mostly men but more recently um it tends to be more females Mm -hmm. apply she said it used to be a lot of koreans and now uh it's a lot a lot of people from china applying and she read down the list of the people that are accepted for the incoming class um and yeah, she said that it wor- It usually works out to be fairly diverse, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because all they're looking at is the work. The work. Um, so I thought that was interesting and then made me think about my other educational experiences, um, At one at a small liberal arts college and then the other at UPenn in Philadelphia. And SVA is by far the most diverse uh, mm. classroom setting that I've been in. I mm. think part of that probably has to do with studying illustration in the arts instead of philosophy, which is the study of white dead men. <laughs> um, and then the sciences, which is interesting because that has a different, you know, right. th- that sort of just detaches itself a little bit from cultural conversations. But um, yeah, so I don't know. I think our the MFA program is is fairly, fairly diverse if you're just kind of looking at people's, at the demographics and then I'd say our group pretty diverse in terms of where people are coming from, um, at least in comparison to my philosophy studies, which were which were most my philosophy of race class was taught by a white person. Um, so,
2: but it's funny you're saying that because like um, when I was in school, I used to think of illustration just as that. It was a celebration of mm-hmm. you know straight white men. Really, it was an all yeah. boys club. Interesting. And I, you know, I know it sounds mean, and yeah. you know, but that's just. You know my experience, yeah. and it's only been in recent years that I've seen a change in yeah, terms that's of. True. And even you know, as a gay Asian male, mm-hmm. I always you know, I think entering the industry, I re, I, I, I sort of felt um, emasculated by the work that I was um, creating mm-hmm. and putting into the industry because. Uh, what I liked was fashion and lifestyle mm-hmm. illustrations. And I was creating these these images that uh, didn't really, uh, didn't dialogue with a lot of the uh, illustration that came before mm-hmm. it, you know, decades before. And so um, I kind of, you know, for me it felt r- very strange to sort of be in this environment um, um, but again, in recent years, I felt things really change, you yeah. know, such as this conversation. Yeah,
0: the irony of it is yeah. s- we're sitting here in the library at the top of the stairs. I side. know. I <laughs> mean, yeah. you know, you walk up the staircase and there's all of the past presidents and everybody. everybody's yeah. like right. Norman Rockwell and Dean Cornwell and all of these guys that are like the established canon, quote unquote, of yeah. American illustration. But now things have like have really tipped to a point mm. where we're having this conversation next to all of their like mm. drawings. And
3: stuff. Yeah. When I was <laughs> in school in late nineties, um, there were like an unspoken, um, understanding of like, if you're a female illustrator, well, you're going to be a children's book illustrator <laughs> <laughs> and like Funny. no way a <laughs> right. kind of, um, thing, but, um, Also, the faculty that I had at the time, all the female um, faculty were either um, children's book illustrator or um, like fine art um, uh, artists. So, I mean, we didn't really have other information. And now I see, like Yukoshmizu and uh, Jillian Tamaki, um Ellen Weinstein, like so many um editorial illustrator who are successful and female. Mm-hmm. and I think um and nowadays there's internet and everybody can get to um see like uh, those people's uh, success. Mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of um now like we have female artists to look up to, like, for younger generation.
0: Cool. So at MICA, do you have the same perception, like, in MICA? Or in the, I feel like it's a very unique perception of, even just, like, SVA in general, like, SVA is kind of a unique case in terms of being in New York and having this the makeup that it does. Um, I know that's not true in a lot of art schools. Like, RISD has been 1% Black since the 1960s uh and like that's been a constant kind of thing so it's kind of that makes me pause you know and and i know a lot of art schools in in the u.s that are not in such a cosmopolitan area they they kind of have these these problems trying to attract or even just like letting these people in (laughs) in a lot of ways uh letting more diverse students have access to it. It just seems like an impossible feat for them to accomplish, even though it it should not be at all, right? So at Micah, like, do you have kind of that perception in terms of who's coming to school there, who's teaching, um, the the visiting artists that you have?
1: Yeah, um, there's definitely only, um, you know, looking around at my classmates, there's only a handful of uh, non-white and uh, non-Asian students, um, and which is weird because we're in, like, Baltimore is a black city, mm-hmm. and, like, we have so few black students. Um, faculty, we have very few uh, full-time faculty. Um, I'm sure it's not too different for adjunct. We have very few um, people of color. Um, and then, so, like, who is, uh, then, then we have, like, some educators who, you know, become our, like, token diversity person, and then, you know, then that's a big responsibility, (laughs) right, to take uh, for a single person on campus, or not a single person, but just, like, um, there's only a handful, you know, Um, and then, so, it's also, uh, in terms of the students, who, like, where are we looking, like, where are we advertising and and trying to recruit students? Um, Is it overseas? Um, Is it, like, why isn't it happening more in our very own community, in, mm-hmm. like, our own city? Um, are we creating opportunities for those students uh, who don't have the privileges and accessibility to to go to such an expensive college? Um, we, I think, uh, students, seniors recently initiated a, um, a scholarship for Baltimore City students uh, so that they can have access to uh, becoming a MICA student. Which uh, you know financially is it can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. So shout out to those guys. Good job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think the economics of it definitely—it's um, almost a whole other conversation in terms of you know uh, higher education in America and the access to those resources. Um, but it may be just the byproduct of a small like art school. Like you, it's best to target people that you know can pay yeah, in a lot of way yeah. there's like a weird cutthroat yeah. kind of
1: yeah but then at the same time like, like, um that's true like it, but then is that like that's also in its own way like um just kind of discriminatory or like just i don't know you you we just uh if they can't if we think that they can't you know um afford it i don't want to that's um but then you know then there should be opportunities to be made especially if like uh, a school wants to create I feel like there's, um, a lot of times where, like, these small art institutions can feel very distant from the communities that they're in, Mm -hmm. um, and just, like, I think it's so important to try to strengthen those bonds between community and, and schools, um, especially, like, uh, you know, I think it benefits the students, too. Like, mm-hmm. how, how much uh, are they interacting with the community? Or are they staying within their campus and not getting out there and trying to learn from uh, the new environment that they're in?
5: Yeah.
4: There might also be, I mean, talking about whether or not people can afford to go to art school, there's probably also a disconnect in terms of the practicality of a degree in art. Um, and... I had no idea what illustration was until I was 28. Um, and then I, I thought that if I was going to study art, I was going to be a fine artist. Um, and I didn't, that wasn't what I wanted. So I thought I'd do something else. Um, so I think that, that potentially when we're talking about getting involved in communities and, and again, I think SVA is a bit odd because it's in New York and it's impossible to not uh, <laughs> have New York all over you when you leave your school yeah. um, just to go you know, home. But you know, it's 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 introducing, what, this is illustration, and this is how you make a living. And having, you know, practical, introducing high school kids or younger to the fact that you can have a career in the arts that doesn't have to be, you know, based on fine art or gallery. I don't know enough to talk about those experiences, but... Um, I think that that might also help in terms of, okay, I'm gonna be a first-generation person in my family to go to college and it's okay for me to study something like illustration or design that can provide me a career in the arts that does have an income and can have stability to it if you create that life for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah.
3: I only know about Japanese culture, but, (laughs) 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 but for, um, yeah, like for Japanese people, if you're a male mm-hmm. and say, I'm going to be artist, your parents are going to just kill you, Christ. you know? <laughs> they're like, why can't you be a doctor or a yeah. lawyer? Yeah. Um, and if you're a female, it's a little bit easy, okay? Um, because they're like, well, she's going to get married anyway. <laughs> it's not going to be her profession yeah. for the long run, right? That's funny. So. <clears throat> I feel like there there is some sort of cultural things, too, that is it okay to be artists? Can we make living? Mm-hmm. Like, what would your family say? Mm-hmm. You know, like all those things also. Like, if your family doesn't have money, yeah. it's mm-hmm. really hard to choose a path that you're really not sure you're gonna make it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: and also, I think, as you know for the individual too who's who's considering let's just say you, you know because like my background, I come from like the lower part of middle income, so lower middle income, so the thing is um for me, not coming from a family with not a lot of money i could I wouldn't even consider s- certain schools, and I know there's scholarships, and you hear these like <laughs> stories of like these you know students who you know feel less than or come from you know like mm-hmm. you know more sort of conservative means uh or limited means who you know attend you know, these spectacular schools. Mm-hmm. Not saying the school that I didn't go to was spectacular. <laughs> I love, I love OCAD, you know? woohoo. Um, but my point is is that, you know, uh, that that wasn't my first choice. My mm-hmm. first choice was that I, you know, like Annie was saying, I didn't know illustration existed as a career. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I did, and I, but I knew I wanted to draw, I knew there was such thing as art college, art school, but I wasn't sure if that was something that I could do because, you know, how I was raised how my brain was you know wired was that you know you come from a family who moved here to canada and you know um and your parents you know work really really hard and it's your job your legacy to them to do better than Mm -hmm. them and so it's not going to happen um by you being an artist you know so so it was kind of this like twofold thing. My parents didn't want me to pursue art, but then I think I didn't want to do it either, you mm-hmm. know? And you, and I didn't go to OCAD. Uh, that wasn't my first, you know, that wasn't the first school that I went to. Mm-hmm. I went to a school called York University. And I actually did apply to the fine art department and I got in, but the only reason why I went to York is because I got a really, really small scholarship for a few hundred dollars I went there. But when I was there, I was still questioning whether or not I should pursue it. And so I was on my way to transferring to the business, a business program within the university. And then, you know, it didn't work out. So but that was a long-winded sort of No, what was yeah. the turning yeah.
3: point? Why did you decide it to go to because uh, I was miserable. An yes. um. <laughs> yeah.
2: And it was like teenage rebellion. <laughs>
0: I mean, so I kind of did have a money segment, so I might skip ahead to it since we're on the topic already. Um, so, you know, in illustration education and, and uh, all, every illustration department has like a professional practice mm-hmm. type of class or there is an aspect of it um, that hopefully kids learn before they get out in the real world. Do you, do you think that those are ne- perhaps geared towards a more economically mobile student? and also when you have these old school professors that are like oh back martyr, day, uh, you know i fell into a job at the new yorker blah 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 mm-hmm. i became art director you know because i was running coffee for somebody back in the 60s yeah those paths don't exist a but then b a lot of these students if we're talking about these uh, ethnic ethnically and racially diverse students you have like female students etc like they literally cannot follow the paths of, say, these older, straight, white, male professors. Um, So do you think that the professional practice of illustration education actually is relevant now? Or is it perhaps in dire need of retooling?
1: I haven't gotten to that point. <laughs>
5: Everyone's
3: looking like, yeah, at Cynthia. Like, yeah. I'm like, guys, I, I, don't, I haven't taken that class yet. <laughs> so I feel like the now there's more diverse way to promote yourself. Sure. Um, but are they
2: being taught these yeah. new ways?
3: Well... Uh, Having a website <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. or blogging or maybe social media. Yeah.
1: I think a lot of it is, like, um, a lot of students are kind of running around, like, oh, Yeah, get out I there. know. And, like, we want to, like, we see, I think a lot of people we see are, like, the people who make it big online. And so I think there are a lot of students trying to follow that path. Like, there's a lot of young people who um, gain popularity through the Internet. Um, and then, like, uh, that's who we see, right? That Those mm-hmm. are the people in our, in our lenses. And, like, um... You know, there's not quite, you know, comparing it to other uh, industries, I guess, uh, You, there's not quite as many, like, internships, mm-hmm. per se. Right. And then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like, how do you find yourself breaking into that? A lot of people just kind of, uh, from my experience, take on, like, a part-time job and then keep making art and just hoping that, you know, sending out things and then mm-hmm. trying to get noticed.
0: Because I know, Annie, we just joke, like, we would get in the elevator and it'd be like, postcards, man.
4: Yeah, like, (laughs) well, we just, the whole graduation thing just happened, so it's like my entire family's here. It's like, what's the plan? I'm like, well, I'm gonna mail a postcard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. with my, my art on it and wait. So, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, we we Still did we had a yeah, a business. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm going to do it later. <laughs> we, we did have a business boot camp class, and I feel like we touched on the promotional stuff a couple of times in a couple of different classes. Um, But I, a lot of the stories we would get, and one of the benefits of SVA is being in front of, you know, all these legendary people and great storytellers. um, But a lot of those stories, like John was saying, were rooted in, you know, an older way of things being done on knocking, about knocking on doors or calling, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody every day on a Friday, every Friday, um, until they gave you a spot in the New York Times. Um, And that doesn't seem like it exists anymore. Um, So I feel like, The big takeaway, I don't know, I would love to see it expand a little bit more um, to be more than just, okay. we're going to send postcards or send emails. Um, And also, you know, we have here and we're in New York, which is great. And we can see each other's faces and meet all these people. Um, but for people that are maybe a bit shy or introverted or international students that maybe don't have a mastery of the language yet. Like me. (laughs) (laughs) I I can see, I mean, I'm always really intimidated at the American illustration party and all that stuff. Um, And those are actually opportunities where I feel like that's a lot of the promotion stuff is introducing yourself to people and meeting Mm -hmm. other illustrators. And I, I could see how that, it's challenging for me and I can see how it would be even more challenging for somebody else Um, and so yeah I don't know I I definitely think that it could be the discussion about how to be an illustrator could be expanded
2: It would be interesting to listen to people who have been doing it for like five to seven years illustrators who Mm -hmm. have been working because I used to teach a business of illustration class and I quit because part of the reason that I quit is um, well I couldn't I was teaching a couple of classes but another reason was uh, so I couldn't manage it in my schedule but another reason was that I wasn't sure if what I was doing was relevant mm-hmm. anymore in yeah. terms of promotional stuff because I do send out postcards but I'm you know at a different place in my career where I've already you know created this body of work and so the postcards are just kind of supporting it you know mm-hmm. it's just yeah. kind of like a high yeah. and I've met a lot of the people who, who are received these postcards and mm-hmm. and about American illustration I've been to a lot of the illustration events so I think it's it's received differently but Mm -hmm. if you're just starting out i don't i don't know if it would work or have the same kind of impact so i
3: have a few um like every semester i have a few young illustrator coming in uh and their promotion tactic is same as when i I know when we we started um it's always maybe uh um instead of postcard they'll be sending more personal um materials like zines or um like small uh product. Mm-hmm. Um but other than that it's it's um like um mailing a promotion and um sending like an email promotion. Yeah. It seems like that's how they start also. Mm-hmm. So it hasn't been really a change, I don't think.
0: I think God bless you, Marcus, for realizing that you're like, (laughs) my gosh, do I really know what I'm talking about? Yeah, well, that's the thing, yeah. Because I feel like a lot of, and this is really no offense to any of the teachers out there, but a lot of people lose touch and they don't really know what they're talking about anymore, but they retain those positions (laughs) and they're teaching these kids about their experiences that may or may not have any relevance towards Mm -hmm. the industry today, right? So, you know, one thing that I had written down was like, this. I had a couple students in Memphis. And Memphis is like, it's not New York, obviously. You know, and it's, in, it's in the Mississippi Delta and it pulls from Mississippi and Arkansas and Western Tennessee. So there's a lot of um, working class kids, um, which is great because art school gives them, Memphis College of Art gives them the opportunity to, uh, to go to art school basically, which is great. But at the same time, you know, the institution in in and of itself did not support working class students very well. It's like, oh, you gotta have like all this mat boards and you Mm -hmm. gotta like frame all your stuff and like (laughs) you have to buy this gouache and it's like, it's only use that gouache. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Um, but there was a lot of, again, like a lot of that stuff, it was tailored more towards like an economically more uh, mobile student. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the strategies just were completely irrelevant to like a working class student who was working three jobs just to like pay to go to college. Um, so I would love also to see the professional practice aspect of illustration kind of encompass a lot of these different socioe- socioeconomic levels as well. Yeah. Do you guys like have any experiences with, like people, that classmates or like maybe students that just couldn't afford something or like they were trying to make it work but they just couldn't and then you're just like, I don't know. This is what the syllabus says. I don't know.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've never taught like a material class, so I have never had to tell students Mm. to, you know, you have to buy acrylic or like (laughs) this and that. Um, My students just bring... What they have, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah. I don't know. I know maybe undergrad is different because I remember when I went to school, undergraduate, they they did have a syllabus with you have to have five different colors of <laughs> acrylic, this yeah, yeah. and that, mm-hmm. but. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm out. It's been not so long. How is it undergrad now? Yeah, um it's it's I think it's
1: still pretty similar. Um I I've received like materials lists that are as long as like a letter size paper and mm-hmm. I just usually ignore them until I have to buy them. <laughs> so like bad. like I'm like I'm not going to buy like all of these things that I know I'm not going to use as mm-hmm. an as an illustrator later on. Um and I know like uh there's this group free and for sale on Facebook um, that students use all the time and we sell everything at a discount um, and a lot of like art supplies are you know like people will sell their unused art supplies that they use like a pea size of like paint for their foundation class and then like they don't use it you know later on and they they, they sell it so I mean I, I always think that's like my favorite resource in terms mm-hmm. of like mm. um, buying and selling used items like that's really great that students have created that space for themselves that's
3: great um
1: but it yeah it's so expensive
3: also digital illustration yeah. are so in now and those things cost money yeah. like all the pads right. and yes I, and then they break and then yeah, yeah. Do they? does the school undergrad or graduate offers that kind of like met- do they provide it for free no like they have a lab that oh, you can go yeah on.
1: there are those things there are like labs and things but like hours are always limited so mm-hmm. like, like um you know times that they're open and things like that uh so i mean there are ways of getting around it but it's not like the most convenient
2: Bye. yeah um back to like the business class promo stuff mm-hmm. See, I, I, part of me is also thinking too like you know in, in terms of self-promotion as well i think a lot of it has to do with um not doing something once and then expecting an immediate response. Mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately, I think it is about the the, the, the continued, you know, um, sending out a postcard. I'm laughing. I'm on it. I'm on I'm just, it. <laughs> I'm just using that as an example. But also, you know, it's supported by so many other things, such mm-hmm. as now, you know, social media mm-hmm. and then also um you know uh i don't know a blog am i being like now i'm dating myself people don't
5: no, no, blog, no. okay, no. um, <laughs> but you know what i'm saying so it's like
2: and and um meeting in person et cetera et cetera yeah. so so i think you know it's kind of i wonder if you know these kind of business classes uh it's not necessarily to give you one way of like maybe promoting yourself but maybe to give you a start of ways mm-hmm. that you can do it yeah. and Um, Yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm not sure if I'm being sort of um, articulate about it, but um, I'm bringing it up because uh, alongside of my illustration, I'm also, you know, I took a year off last year uh, for sabbatical and I interned for a a couple of fashion designers. And after, and in my experience there, um, it made me become really interested in wanting to collaborate more with some fashion designers and do print and t- textile designs. And so, um, nobody in the fashion industry really knew my work. And so, um, essentially, I was sort of brought back to square one. And so, how am I going to get my work out there? What am I going to do? And yes, I did postcards slash books (laughs) but that was my first thing but uh that I did but another thing that I started to realize is like a lot of it's about personal connection Mm -hmm. you know and yeah it sounds really kind of old school maybe old-fashioned but I really believe in that I really believe in you know the events like American Illustration Society of Illustrators you know when you go there and you make the first connection that person might not remember who you are but, you know, when you meet them again, when you send them a promo and that person receives your promo and they, you know, before they may have maybe thrown it away, but when they receive it the second time, it kind of um, injects life into this, like, inanimate object, mm-hmm. you know, and there's like, oh, this is from Cynthia. It's not just a card with a picture on it. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I really believe in the value of personal connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I,
1: I, while we're on this topic again, um, I do want to, like, talk about those, how there's, You know, a lot of these uh, opportunities of meeting people face-to-face are are in, like, New York and, like, these big cities. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what happens to those students who don't have the money to, like, buy a bus ticket and go all the way? Sorry, not to go back to money again, but just, like, uh, you know, I just always think about how it feels like certain locations uh, can benefit those students who are in those locations. Um, So then if, like, those people are restricted from going to, like, um, those big big conferences or conventions where they do meet people, you know, then what do they do? You know, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like then for those people, their only resort is the Internet or things like that. Yeah, and when we talk about postcards, it's so surreal <laughs> to me, like because like I don't use mail anymore. Like I don't. I sent one postcard in my life, maybe. Like so, I'm just like, do people look at postcards that go in mailboxes? God, like, I just <laughs> printed
2: out five hundred.
1: <laughs> yeah. so. no, you guys have more experience. Oh, I'm sure they do. I'm
2: so old man,
0: right? Well, to go back to that point, Cynthia, and also something you said, we uh, were kind of talking earlier about Micah in connection to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, and having the art schools and then art students and the professionals that come out of art schools mm-hmm. be connected with their communities, I think the need for like socially responsible artists who are at least mm-hmm. conversant in these topics and know what's going on and know you know if I draw something a certain way then that's maybe kind of offensive that mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't do that I can it's mm-hmm. like completely within my right to do so but like maybe I shouldn't right um, so what do you Do you think that art schools really are preparing these kind of like socially engaged students? Because like this conversation is not just happening in illustration and design. Like again, like I was talking at the beginning, it's happening at the largest corp, like Fortune five hundred companies right now. They're all talking about how do we how do we solve quote unquote this diversity, and inclusion again quote unquote problem. with these millennial, this millennial workforce that's coming in. Um, and I think like with illustrators too, especially if you we, if we want to say you want to do editorial illustration, you have to be really in tune with a lot of these issues and understand them and, and bring a level of nuance and experience to them. Um, do you think, I don't know, like in your classes, Marcus and I, do you guys really stress the conceptual, like you really have to think about what you're putting out in the world because this is, your images have power, right? Um, and it, you have a responsibility to make sure that that power is targeted in the right way. So, what do you guys think about that?
2: In my class, it's come up. Mm-hmm. You know, I co teach, last year I co taught with Chris Bozzelli. and it came up a couple of times in some assignments. And, you know, we talked about accountability. Um, and, you know, when you put your image out there, it can be read in certain ways. So, you know, make sure, not make sure, just be aware you know, of your intention type of thing. And it's, um, we usually catch it around like the sketch stage Mm -hmm. and then, but there isn't usually a a huge discussion. It's usually, you know, like we just sort of shed light onto it. Um, A few years ago, was really interesting. Uh, I had uh, a female student in my class and she had created, um, so my fashion illustration class, uh, and she had created a series of work that, Was about um, female African American empowerment. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't, um, the approach wasn't done in, I guess, like in um, traditional illustration type of way. You know, uh, there are some abstract components. Um, Maybe some of her concepts were, um, it didn't have an immediate read, but it was, that was, you know, the root of her content. Mm Um, and she's African American, and I remember one 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 particular crit, another one of my students had um brought in an image uh that contained a black face mm. you know a black racist stereotype, uh, archetype you know and that was and I remember there being a hush in the room and um and I think a lot of us and she wasn't doing it there was nothing malicious going on it was just you know what happened you know because Mm -hmm. uh you know yes that's what she brought but it was really interesting because um it was near the end of the class um other students had other classes to go to so we couldn't really talk about it but it really bugged me because I i felt like it needed to be addressed and so i remember going back to the studio and bringing this up with my friends who i shared studio with and um the advice that i was given, you know, for that particular situation is, you know, bring it up, talk about accountability, mm-hmm. why maybe it could be perceived as wrong, but don't look at the student who, let's just say the student, the African American student who was creating this body of work to celebrate women, um, to empower women for her to be the ambassador of, Mm -hmm. you know? And I thought that was a really important thing to say, you know, to acknowledge because at that point, you don't want to single out anybody because nobody did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you need to at least plant a seed Mm -hmm. and acknowledge that yeah it's illustration it's the art and business of communication but at the same time you know it's not just about making images you know when you put your images out there um, they have some kind of meaning Mm -hmm. um, that could be interpreted in certain ways and you know we have a responsibility about it yeah
3: and um, it is nice to have a classroom full of like diversity because you never know like Maybe you're offending somebody, but if it's a classroom full of just one uh, racial or like, um, you know, you never, it never comes up because.
2: But even like drawing, you know, for lack of a better expression, like the chinky eyes, Mm -hmm. you know, to represent Asian people you know it's like
3: do they still do that well <laughs> I,
2: I mean i've been working for like 14 years and then a student as well so you know but within that time i've seen it you know right so wow you know
4: that it's it sounds like you well, you handle that situation really well and thinking not both. by myself with, well, with but some, that's what, like
2: right but help that, from friends but, yeah <laughs>
4: again though like trying to realizing that you felt unprepared in the, in the situation and then getting counsel, because um, we had, uh, we discussed, I feel like John, and we discussed a lot of these things in our class, particularly in our writing class, which didn't have any visual component mm-hmm. to it. And so that's where I, I feel like what you did and bring it back to the, to talking about the work and grounding in the work, because that is the one thing that everybody in the room has in common, that right. we are visual artists mm-hmm. trying to tell stories with pictures. And in our experience, or in my experience, that I'm not sure how you felt about it, John, I, that we lost touch with that part of it a few times when dialogues came up. Most of, mostly about gender roles and the representation of women, um, and how they were being, you know, they were being described the, as being powerful, but you know, represented in a way that some people felt like wasn't wasn't yeah. conveying that. And I think we really. Miss an opportunity to talk about to really attach to the visuals in in that situation that came up in our class, um, and it's not to fault our professors because c- it, it's very you know it's real time it's happening um, and. You know, it made me think, and our uh, we had dialogues about it afterwards, about the responsibility that you have. You're not just drawing a picture and um, and then calling myself out for okay, if someone's telling me to draw a family, am I drawing a heterosexual white family having a picnic, like, or wh- why am I why am I choosing these things? And I feel like it was our classmates kind of bringing that up, but. Um, could have I could have learned a lot more from it if we if we kept anchoring it to the pictures and to the, the making of the work as opposed to the, the theoretical you're in the workplace now and we had one teacher who just kept Asking us if we would do illustrations for the NRA like every week. Um, was like, maybe, I don't know. But, the but, answer is yes
0: for $2.7 million. Yeah,
4: exactly. <laughs> it was always like for an ungodly amount of money. But, you know, that it was, we, I think there was, there was an honest attempt to have these conversations, but they were separated from the work that the class was bringing to the table. Um, so.
2: It's funny, as an instructor, I, I'm guilty f- uh, of not bringing up these topics in class. So for an editorial classes, you know, your original question, no, you know, we don't, I've never purposely, uh, you know, brought into this class, you know, uh, discussions about these particular things. And as a student, it's never been brought to me. Mm-hmm. It's all always occurred in the way that Annie just brought up, you know, through experientially, through mm-hmm. people's personal experiences. And then that just sort of rolls into another thing. But similarly, you know, when I was, I think I was in grade 11 and, um, and I loved art back then. And I remember drawing, uh, showing my paintings to one of my, to a guidance counselor slash English teacher too. And she's, she's, she's British. And she said to me, she's like, why are all the people why do all the people in your paintings, um, why are they all white? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I, I don't know, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize it. And then, you know, from that moment on, you know, I started to, you know, be more aware of, you know, uh, the ethnicity of, of uh, the characters in my work. Mm-hmm. Not sure how that relates, mm-hmm. but I, you know, what yeah. you said kind of just spawned that thought. Mm-hmm.
1: So, like, I I always think, like, how how can educators, like, bring that conversation into their assignments? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I've been also noticing, you know, that these sort of conversations are very student-initiated. And, you know, I think it'd be a good challenge for, like, as this conversation becomes increasingly relevant, like, how do um, our teachers uh, start, like, you know, create assignments that have students reflect on, you know, who they are um, and how... You know how they feel about, you know, these sorts of topics, and then and then that will, um, you know, move on to hopefully create healthy healthy conversation, mm-hmm. and they'll be able to think more critically about these
0: uh, conversations. Yeah, because one of the you know the prevailing, and also from going through the SVA MFA program, the the real prevailing uh, thread that runs through it is the personal, the idea of the personal voice, right? It's your personal content and what you're trying to say, but also how you're saying it and the hand that you bring to it as well. I think that's a that's a great and noble idea, but then I think a lot of the instruction sometimes falls flat in terms mm-hmm. of say I draw a certain figure and then in crit somebody says, like, well, why isn't it mm-hmm. Asian? Mm-hmm. Or it's not Asian enough or there's some kind of like perception of how it should look. Mm-hmm. And there isn't this kind of um you know, it's not letting me just tell you what my, what this is going to be. This is my personal point. Like, let me figure it out. Mm-hmm. And there's there's efforts to steer it one way or the other. And those conversations don't really occur. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's because of the, some kind of blind spot on the educator's point, or you know, I don't know. But uh, I think that example of you realizing that if you put somebody on the spot, you're tokenizing them. There's that mm-hmm. level of that uh, hyper visibility that a lot of minority students feel too, where it's like, I, I feel constantly like I have to do this certain thing because everyone's looking at me to to do it and they have this idea of what it is already. Um, on the flip side, there's that lo- there's that idea of invisibility, right? Where it's nobody's talking about Asian stuff And if I put up like a, like a Japanese influenced drawing and nobody has our historical context of what that actually means, they can't talk about it. And so the critic just goes silent, right? Um, so yeah, I think I would love educators to like have to have to be able to like tackle these problems because I think they're just gonna get more and more complex like as there's more international students coming into the workforce, you know a lot of uh our friends they like they they have work in china and in asia and in Europe, and people are working all over the place, so you have to be able to, to tackle those issues as they come up i feel <laughs> um.
4: Well, yeah. that, oh, go go, go ahead. Ahead. I was just going to say to the, you know, the, f- the theme of the program being the de- focus on developing the personal stories, like mm-hmm. we tell stories, and I think that's really important. But one, one thing that I, it is also important to realize the context of your personal story, as it relates to those that are around you. Mm-hmm. And that we, you know, this was same as at my liberal arts college, really focusing on developing each individual student to their own potential. But sometimes i think that can be uh, if you don't also develop the ability to look outside of your personal story mm-hmm. that that can fall short and, and i'm not sure if that's what you're referring to john that there could be more effort put to this is what you're doing and this is your voice and y- you need to be able to defend your work and speak intelligently about it and also recognize that it, it does impact people that are not you even if it's your personal journey other people are going to be impacted either positively or negatively about by it mm-hmm. I'm
3: sorry. Oh. <laughs> no no, I was just thinking about my class that I'm teaching because it's about uh personal voice and developing um your artistic voice. So, um like in the beginning of the class, I would give assignment according to like starting from learning who they are as a person and that includes backgrounds of course their culture uh who they are um or like uh childhood stories and yeah i don't want to you know like as i i was listening to you like oh i don't want to give assignment that like are too like putting them to their uh ethnic background and stuff but it, it is kind of part of the path of finding out who you are as an artist too to know who you are Mm -hmm. so um it's um yeah it's a difficult thing as an instructor too that like what's the boundary of asking somebody you know about their background because it can feel really confessional
2: for the student right right? Mm -hmm. it can be really tricky right i feel it's like having advised mfa students i feel like it's it's easy more comfortable mm-hmm. because it's you know you know two people having a conversation that intimacy allows you know for trust to mm-hmm. develop uh for vulnerability to be exposed or to be revealed and you know the, the sort of those two things you know help build stronger relationships but within a classroom that's you know uh, you know people from all different backgrounds some of whose english might be better than others some are who may be shy and others mm-hmm. who are more extroverted, all of a sudden, it's 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 a lot more challenging to, to uh, have these conversations. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, a lot of these conversations happen after class, mm-hmm. you know, where it can become a sort of one-on-one or, you know, three people, four-person discussion, you know, but in the midst of it, you know, the classroom, even though it can be a safe space, it can feel like a stage, you know, and, um, yeah, so.
0: So a lot of these things, we're we're saying that they they occur outside the classroom, um, you're saying even, like, you sell books to each other on a Facebook group, and, uh, you know, I know a lot of schools have, like, say, the Black Student Union, or these student-organized groups that tackle these particular issues that whatever these students may um, want to discuss but in almost every case it's not actually supported institutionally by the school right right and like these topics that we're talking about they're not codified in yeah. any kind of instruction no. and is that is that weird? Like Annie, is that how like things? Is that how school is supposed to work? Like, <laughs> Am I the expert was, like, on every school? school? Everybody <laughs> no. is winging it at all times. Um, these topics are so big that like I feel like we shouldn't be winging it. I don't know.
4: Like, <laughs> well, I think I these. Know. I think the discussion. I mean, in, in my experience, I'm definitely not an expert she on took school. Her glasses off. <laughs> professorial. Roll up my sleeves. Um, but it that it's not that I think these issues are they're not new, but the but the conversating about them is new, and the power I think that young people and students feel partially because of the internet as a platform um, m- means that students are mobilizing more and kind of forcing. Um, whereas when I was in undergrad, it didn't exist. That I mean, Facebook had just started. It wasn't we couldn't connect as easily. Um, I the conversations these conversations were not were not happening at um, at the liberal arts school that I went to they had they were they were trying to start but it was very much like here's an effort and it's yay big and there's not the program that they had to help diversify the student body which was majority white had the students coming from urban areas uh to the to the college in the summer to do some prep class so that they would be prepared to start and then they got to go home for a week which was the week that we all came and did orientation so it just socially divided it was made no sense at the time but there wasn't really any dialogue about it um so i forget what your question was but but i, I don't think
0: yeah, I'm just saying, like, uh, in an art school, like, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's a Cogwarts. It's a totally <laughs> unique thing in and of itself. I just am wondering if it is tackled any differently in larger universities that have more resources. Um,
4: I think um, Hamilton, which is the, school, the undergrad school I went to, was pretty small. And so it didn't, you know, it was doing that. It was called the HEOP program. And then they there's another program called Posse. I don't know if you guys have heard about it. And it takes groups of kids from urban areas, high school kids that are, that excel, gives them full scholarships to four-year schools. And it's called Posse because they send them in 10 to 15 num- numbers so that they don't look around to a sea of they, there's people that share their experiences at the college environment so they can succeed. And Hamilton had that program. I was looking it up yesterday to prepare for this. And they have a long list of colleges um, and universities involved. And there's not an art school in there. So I thought that was interesting. Um, at Penn, it's a bigger school. And I wasn't in the undergrad, so I'm not quite sure. Um, I think because of the fact that it, that I was in a sciences program, that that changes things. Um, there isn't, you know, science is... Science is science, and there's not really a, there wasn't a cultural conversation happening there. Um, there was attempts to, to reach out to the what, Philadelphia community, um, but I guess no. I it's not not better outside of the art school bubble.
2: Yeah, I mean it's just kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But do you think it's an like art school, or do you think are you saying asking within illustration? Because I feel and not I'm not trying to separate mm-hmm. fine art and illustration and mm-hmm. commercial art, but I'm only bringing it up is. And I don't have much experience within fine art, but I feel, but um, the very, 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 very small experience that I had was like a summer program at SVA, like the summer residency through a fine art program, through the fine arts department and also at Cooper Union. And that was like years ago. And um, I'm bringing that up because I feel as though, um, uh, first of all, it was really international uh, it was a super intense program, but what happened is uh, because people were coming from different parts of the world and, um, you know, wanted to say different things, um, they said it through their art. So, you know, they weren't given assignments, and I felt felt as though, like, there wasn't also this kind of, you know, uh, at least when I went to school. Uh, it seems like there's this kind of trajectory that you need to sort of follow um, as an illustrator you know you you, you finish school you um, create a portfolio that sort of appeals to book or editorial or advertising like things like that there's like that kind of a function and so within that kind of work is you know I, like, I feel like it could be really challenging to bring up
4: you know these yeah.
2: types of topics within assignments not saying that we shouldn't and not saying that you're saying it should be codified within mm-hmm. this particular institution but i felt like within my experience in this sort of fine arts setting um people had a lot to th- say about you know their own history mm-hmm. their culture uh you know et etc cetera, et cetera, gender sexual orientation mm-hmm. um it was just uh much more open because what they wanted to do with their work after that was continue that dialogue. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that they wanted to get another editorial job or do this job or that job. They had um, a particular story or vision or concept that they needed to express and dialogue with what was happening in the world around them. Mm -hmm. You know, so, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. I think it's really tricky, you know, because I wouldn't know how to... I love the question. I wouldn't know how to do it within, you know, an illustration context. I don't Mm -hmm. even know if context is the right word, but maybe someone else does. Maybe someone Mm -hmm. out there knows, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think it is an important, you know, talk to have. Even in your program, the MFA, SVA, you know, some students, Mm -hmm. you know, have created projects um, that, you know, have an impact socially, that Mm -hmm. impact community, and they've, Mm You know, like uh, one of my former advisees, um, Ryan Hartley-Smith, he had created uh, this guidebook. Um, It was beautifully illustrated, but it was for LGBTQ Mm -hmm. um, youth who were coming out who Mm -hmm. lacked resources, who may have been from a small town. And, um, you know, he had created this book for one of his projects to help these Um, young people uh, not feel so alone and to have access to information Mm -hmm. you know but that wasn't SVA didn't tell him to do it it sort of was you know uh, informed by his own interests and the things that he cared about Mm -hmm. so um, but I yeah it's just I'm sharing so (laughs) yeah
0: no I mean because Marshall he always Marshall Erisman he always says like it's it's best if you're making the work that you want to make and you kind of trick People yeah. into paying mm-hmm. you to make that work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because he always tells that story where well, the only thing I knew how to paint was like guns and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. dog-headed things and yeah. <laughs> cats and stuff monkeys. and monkeys. <laughs> um, and it just it worked out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he also there's a caveat to that where he's saying that you don't have to inject mm-hmm. all of your personal content into every single assignment, right? You mm-hmm. can. There's bits and pieces. I can give ten percent or twenty percent or thirty percent or whatever, but you kind of have to know where that line is. I feel like mm-hmm. in a lot of um, a lot of illustration education, like I feel like, turns a blind eye to that when it is so focused, like you say, Marcos, on like book or or these genres and these industries or whatever. You get really tied up in the forms and less about the content. But then I think maybe you suffer as an artist, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, just in terms of knowing your own practice. Uh that it doesn't lead to the heights that it probably could have, I don't know
4: hmm. you mean if you were to if it was to be more focused on the content first and then fitting it into the form,
0: yeah, I feel yeah. Mm-hmm. and then it's up to the educator really to 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 develop that within each student. And again, that kind of goes back to the conversation of like, how do you do, like, is that teachable? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, we talk, yeah I, I don't like, know. I, I feel like, like- How do you feel about your classes? <laughs> well, Not that well, you have to talk about them or anything, but- the the illustration, <laughs>
3: I feel like a lot that I learn is just by out in the world, yeah. by experience. You know, it's uh, every job is, uh, is different it's basically collaboration between our director and you or client and you so you have to just go through by experience also because we cannot we can tell i i mean i can tell my own experience with my clients or projects but the person the students gonna go out in the world and they're gonna I'm sure they're gonna have a totally different experiences Mm -hmm. and they have to just go by projects. So some of the cases are very hard to
4: teach, Mm -hmm. I mean. We did, um, we had to do a influences presentation at the beginning of this year for our thesis class and then we had to do a context presentation mm -hmm. towards the end of the year. And I found both of the influences one was just mostly confusing and people talking about what cartoons they watched um, <laughs> but as a kid. It was like, wow, so we're all wow. nerdy kids that like to draw. Um, but the context presentation was really challenging, and I was it was a bit alarming to be that, challenged by by that assignment so close to graduation in... Um, what do you mean, yeah, context? What do you mean? Yeah, that's um, what we all wondered. Um, <laughs> John actually was the first one to go. And I think mm-hmm. that your presentation influenced a lot of people because it was John, like, you know, in a positive way, he, bro- <laughs> he, he broke down, um, you know, who he was and then his kind of educational pathway. And then these, he did it in circles in terms of how it relates to different people, to how he got to SVA and that, mm-hmm. how his work is out in the world. Um, so it was supposed to be, I think about finding the the potential homes for your work. So sort of what um, you're saying like we would kind of created a body of work at this point so where was it going to go and live like who would we hang out with and who would we want to share a studio with like things like that. Um but it was pretty it was cha- I found it really challenging. I
3: like, think it is challenging. Yeah. I mean like the um I mean I feel like I want to do everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. You know, so. And also <laughs> like it's really hard to put yourself in a box at that time, mm-hmm. yeah. Because the world is open to you. Like, yeah. why would you have to like?
4: But it's just. It's also though. I. It's like hard to start when the world is so open and mm-hmm. there are so many ways to go. I think. I mean, I think that was the point of the assignment. Um, I see. But what? Do, what do you think, John?
0: Um, I think it's a step in the right direction in terms of how we should be thinking about illustration situation yeah. now. Because we were talking about how maybe those traditional revenue streams of illustration are being closed down in terms of getting paid mm-hmm. a middle-class living to yeah. do editorial essentially for magazines like that doesn't really exist anymore mm-hmm. unless you really hustle um but then there are always different forms like it literally is up to our imagination to like create these new Mm -hmm. things that don't exist yet Mm
3: -hmm. i think but i think um, the the
0: the pedagogy should like have to reflect that somehow and like again it's like a really Mm. difficult
3: i think the school by visiting different schools and teaching FIT, FIT um faculty seems like they all notice that the editorial is a dying profession, or not dying, but like it's just a small percentage of illustration practice. So um, I have experience like a lot of school is now teaching how to be an entrepreneur or like a different form of uh, illustr like how you can use illustration. And I think that's great Mm -hmm. and the student could come up with their own idea it seems like and I don't know I feel like it's going to a good direction in that way mm-hmm. like being open <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I mean Marcus do you, what are your students saying in terms of are they, do they feel lost or do they feel like they have a pretty clear direction or do they feel
2: Um, I think both uh, I, don't, <clears throat> I don't really know if anyone had a clear direction. I mean, two of my former students (laughs) were sitting behind me. Oh, are sitting behind me. (laughs) I mean, and they're doing well.
5: (laughs) They did really well in my class.
2: They are super focused and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But yeah, a lot of them, you know, I've heard mixed things because I am friends, I've become friends with former students. um, And I've heard stories of, you know, there's not enough sort of technical training, Mm. you know, like, to be taught skills, um, to help them succeed, uh, that it's too much about concept, let's just say, mm-hmm. um, which makes it, uh, you know, to, you know, entering the industry really obscure and yeah. it, it creates a lot of uncertainty. So I've heard mixed things, you know? Um, yeah. And, and, but me personally, I agree with Aya. I think, you know, what's, happened it's it's really become about entrepreneurship you know and to tag off of what annie was saying you know i hate to say it but branding Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and and i'm not a branding expert i don't know anything about that but you know, I, I I have a feeling that it's moving in, in that direction. You know, I don't want to say non-conventional types of assignments because that would mean that conventional would be editorial or advertising. Mm-hmm. But because, you know, the landscape's shifted so much and there's, you know, what we maybe no longer have so much of anymore has been replaced with so many new opportunities, you know. So I think, you know, for me personally, I think it's a really exciting place, yeah. you know, and um, in addition to the students who, you know, uh, yeah, so period. Yeah, so I didn't really answer your question, but I do, <laughs> I do think that, you know, you know, in my classroom, yeah, I have students who, you know, do know what they want to do, um, and those who don't, you know, you know, it's just it is i mean your classmates i'm sure are the same cynthia right you
1: yeah your... i guess it, it, like i think it's also just really about where they are in life like you mm-hmm. can't really force someone to know where they're trying to go and i think that's tough like seeing how um you know how ready they are to have certain conversations and um yeah i think it's definitely a mixed bag of like uh you know knowing i guess conceptual and yeah um but yeah i've, I've also uh heard mixed things about like uh, it's interesting because like we need to as illustration students we need to like balance content and technique and then um, you know I guess it's just a matter of like trying to figure out where you're lacking
0: and where you're trying to improve and then
1: communicating that.
0: Yeah. So Cynthia hearing what uh, Marcus says uh, it might be about branding <laughs> and
1: creating a brand.
5: <laughs> oh, <God>. oh, <laughs> it might be. It
0: might be. It might be about yeah. Okay we'll say that. Um, but Encompassing this kind of like m- uh, multi-faceted career that a lot of illustrators have nowadays, mm-hmm. what when you're faced with the demographic state of like publishing that we we covered earlier, where maybe it is like m- like overwhelmingly white, mm-hmm. but then you have to present your brand as this type, you know, as an Asian American. Yeah. Do you f- have like some kind of pause about that? Does that make you kind of
1: wary about what you're presenting, or I feel like just play to your strengths, like, you know, it just makes sense to kind of go with what you know. And then if it's about branding, then you just have to present yourself as someone who, um, you know, has unique experiences and create unique art because of who you are as a person. Um, I feel like that is kind of, uh, you know, relevant in our minds, like how we present ourselves. Uh, because again, we're like trying to uh, present ourselves online and things like that. and like who you know, how do we want to be viewed as like some people are very successful at like creating like a a personality that people know them through online and uh yeah just that sort of way
3: yeah sometimes people are like oh your art is so Japanese Uh, you know uh, but um I've never had an experience that it, it it was in a negative way, you know? Because sometimes my clients come to me because I do what I do. And I don't know if it looks so Japanese or not, but like they want that look, that's why they're coming. So being unique is important, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think it was, it, it never, really affected me in, like, a negative way, Um, yeah. Yeah,
1: I think that, like, minorities, um, you know, I I think, John, you and I are both interested in uh, Asian-American, just, like, issues and things like that, and it it shows in your work. I I try to show in my work, (laughs) Um, and then it's just, like, um, you know, taking what you're passionate about and just trying to, I guess, just show that, yeah.
4: The brand, the branding thing. That's so. It's so tough because it's. It's. Yeah. It just feels oh, like. Uh, yeah, and it's like. Ugh. It feels. It feels so. Bed buggy. Yeah. Un. un unauthentic. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. <it does>. Um, <laughs> bed buggy works too, um, and I guess it's you know how if if that is the reality, which it does. It does sort of feel like it can. It needs to be, and or it, that it is. It's that's the reality. It's you are you are your work, but you're also the person that you're bringing to, you know, meeting different people and, and that kind of stuff. You know, what, how, how to bring up in the classroom, because it doesn't, it's not that far from developing your own story and who you are. I guess it's just, it's the translation factor and, like, what parts of that are you going to put into the world? And that requires an awareness of, of, like, of the way people view you and of racism and stereotypes and, that like, you're you're sort of I don't know how to not be complicit in this in that stuff just without realizing it you know because do you have to does it could you choose not to have your identity your racial identity or your sexual identity be a part of your brand like how that's like can you choose to not put that out there and yeah, sort of try I to be I think so
3: yeah, I mean you can just be whatever you you, right, you wish right, to right yeah um, I mean I know few illustrator who um like chosenly not uh, making art that it's um more abstract Mm -hmm. or it's more uh general yeah so they could it's for them i think it's more of from a business then like if your work is more general you get hired more yeah. or like if you are doing more simple work that you can finish illustration in one hour mm. uh, and not yeah. like five days yeah. Yeah. then it's it's a more um how do you say like economic yeah like Effic- efficient yeah. so i know it's you know depending on who you mm. are you can choose like what mm. you I've want chosen. to do yeah
2: yeah i've chosen like mm. i've chosen to uh i mean I, I you know i try my best to be re- as transparent as i can be obviously yeah. like i don't share everything about myself but you know i think you know having been closeted for you know into my 20s mm-hmm. and having come out to my mom in my 30s i'm technically not even out to my dad mm-hmm. You know, and I'm 41, you know, so I guess what I'm saying is that uh, a lot of I think this uh, things have sort of like sort of like been building up. And uh, as an illustrator, as an artist, I feel like, you know, my work, my images is a way are, are allows me a way to express that. And so I have been really conscious and purposeful in expressing my Sexual orientation through mm-hmm. some of my work, mostly through personal work, yeah. but you know but the way in which I share it through social media, through talking right. about it um, it 's also uh, allowed uh, a lot of opportunities for me to work with uh, clients who who want that mm-hmm. who you know i 'm saying the most obvious one, like out magazine, yeah. you know I work with them quite a mm-hmm. bit um and also in terms of my ethnicity you know i my work is not all of it but some of it um is really sort of deeply rooted in like an asian aesthetic you know cuz i grew up in a in a house that had all these chinese yeah. luck calendars yeah. you know and for a long time you know like I didn't want to be Chinese. I wanted to be another skin color, you know? And then after a while, it's like you start to, you know, realize as Cynthia was saying, you play to your strengths and sometimes your strengths may have been your weaknesses. And so, you know, over time, I became really, really conscious of wanting to include these Mm -hmm. um, parts of myself in my portfolio. And also because I had an agent who told me specifically not to include um, any sort of uh, queer imagery in my portfolio because wow. I may not wow. because I because maybe it might offend a client or it wouldn't get me work and you know I was just I was so new and you know after thinking about it some more I was like you know that was you know really kind of oppressive thing to say yeah. to me right. you, you, yeah. you couldn't
4: imagine saying that to a student yeah right? so like know, that...
2: but I understand I, I, I could see her point of view because you know it at the end of the day it's you know she's running a business mm-hmm. and if I make money then she makes money yeah so it was about that mm-hmm. so
0: so we're gonna get into some questions um, I'm gonna skip to this one that's kind of what you're already talking about Marcus um, but it's this question says, Marcos, not seeing yourself in your history lessons and the canon, uh, I guess canon of art history, outside of New-, New York City, I think students still feel this effect, not seeing themselves in their teachers, etc. Um, can you offer any insight in navigating that landscape? Oh, jeez. I mean, you kind of addressed it a little bit, how you're in saying. the beginning, you were talking
5: about, about the history of illustration was the history of white men.
2: yeah. So how do, you, how do you see yourself in it? Right? Well, how do you find yourself in it? Yeah. Where, whereas you might have been invisible in the past. Right. I think it's, you know, I honestly think it's about having conversations like this, mm-hmm. showing up to events, not being unafraid to uh, present work in class. Mm-hmm. Um, that you may feel uncertain about. Because, again, you know, like, there is going to be a moment, There's, there may come a time where you're going to put something up in class and it might offend somebody. But that's awesome mm-hmm. because then you can talk about it, you know. And so it's about taking those chances, I think, you know, um, when you're creating your work. Because it might not seem like it's it's a huge step in terms of changing things, but it's like, you know, it might be a tiny one through accumulation mm-hmm. of tiny sort of, like, moments such as the one that you know I was mentioning, um, it could create change and sort of, I don't know, maybe normal's not a right word, but could bring about this kind of normalcy, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. And I know like in my own experience, um, having given talks in the past, I remember there was a time where I decided to include in my lectures um, work that uh, described my sexual orientation. And the reason why I decided to continue to do that is because afterwards I had young illustrators from other schools who were queer coming up to me and thanking me and sharing their stories with me. And I was like, wow, that is incredible mm-hmm. from all different ethnicities, you know. Um, and I thought that was a really powerful thing. And I thought, wow, if you for there was this one student who also felt, you know, his work was um, sort of emasculated because of the kinds of work that he wanted to do, really sort of pretty, sort of fashion bent, you know. He decided he didn't want to do that anymore because he didn't fit in, you know. He didn't fit into what was considered, you know, more popular and less sort of feminine work. He decided that he wanted to change change it. It's like, but why? You know, if this is who you are and this is what you want to do, then continue to do it, um, you know. And that's kind of, I guess, like a metaphor if you don't do it for just staying quiet and shutting up. You know, And if you do that, then there's going to be no change. So. Word. <laughs> <laughs> um, So this question
0: is for Cynthia. Uh, I found over the five years that I've taught the desire from students to be freelancers in the traditional markets, editorial, book, advertising dwindles. Uh, I don't know if that's because they feel it's no longer a viable career path or just interested in other things or the idea of illustration is linked closer to other things for how... As opposed to how I saw it when I was a student ten years ago, maybe Cynthia can talk about her experience and her classmates when it comes to goals. So do you guys see yourselves as freelancers, or do you see yourselves creating, being part of larger institutions? Or
1: I think a lot of um, from what I notice, at least in Micah, like it could be different in in other schools. Um, there's a lot of students who want to go into like uh, what is it? like visual development's really hot right now, and and just like um, they, uh, I think it's also just more financially feels more financially safe to be like employed by someone like working for like a larger thing um, and freelancing can be daunting I think also because freelancing just isn't really uh, prevalent in terms of like non-art students like a lot of people don't know what that is uh, I would say like um, and or just like don't really understand how that works whereas I think you know again like visual development's so hot and it seems uh, really cool to be working with like big names and working on movies and video games and things that people like to interact with. And uh, like Annie said, like illustration, not everyone knows the entire context of what that is. When I first came to Micah, I didn't either. And so I think that's just a matter of um, uh, you know, the influences that they have and uh, what they're exposed to before art school.
0: I also have a theory that it is tied directly to um, recovering from the recession. Yeah, yeah, mm. totally. Um, so there are people are actually hiring, and there's a lot of companies that are in startups and things like that. Because mm. I know when I started, nobody was hiring. Um, so you had no choice. You had to be a freelancer right. because you had to eat. And <laughs> um, But yeah, so that's interesting. All right, so we're moving on to the educational system. So the comment, here's a comment. Um, about the point about the token students or faculty being the only ones in the room being a substitute for comprehensive comprehensive diversity initiative is so on point. It can be like we have the faces, but we'll stop at we don't know how to interact with you we don't know how to interact with you in this space. And that filters into so many other aspects of academics, such as mentorship, scholarship offers, encouragement to take on internships and networking opportunities, etc. So here's some follow-up questions to that comment. Um, what are some suggestions for educators to take to be more accountable for implementing inclusion in their classrooms and proactively enforce equity and inclusion? It's more of like actually, you know, we're talking about codifying some of these things that maybe that like a school can actually take measures to Well, okay, so this is more follow up questions. Do you think people that do people think that diversity training, quote unquote, should be a requirement in the university setting to help facilitate these conversations?
4: <laughs>
0: or something that we, could, we any, can
2: discuss loosely around campus. Has a burning desire no, to answer this. I
4: have a question. I've read about diversity training, but I just I have no idea what that would entail. That's would it entail what like the faculty answer, having yeah. these conversations or like.
2: And this awesome video to watch.
4: Yeah, right. Because like, <laughs> uh, I feel like that could easily. Easily be sort of a, oh we're doing diversity training now so everything is okay, yeah. right. um, yeah. but not knowing what it and entails. also
3: who is training. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm worried like who's in charge here. <laughs> right, right. right.
0: Yeah. yeah, you can pay me to come troll your institution yeah. uh, and talk about yeah. these things. Training the
1: idea is so broad. Yeah, it's, it's like true. students have definitely pushed for it, and it like mm-hmm. sounds like a great idea, but then you're like can that cover everything like how often does this have to happen Mm -hmm. like and it's just like a matter of like I think it sounds great um but can it can it is it as effective as it sounds
2: because it's not only about the way you speak to someone it's not Mm -hmm. all semantics you know Mm -hmm. it's about it really is something that comes from the inside of a person Mm -hmm. like they need to have this sort of uh deep relationship with wanting to Mm -hmm. create Mm -hmm. this type of environment because Otherwise, it's just going to come off as being fake, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Then- well,
3: I think it, it's 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 good to. If there's a place that if some problem happens, then faculty can meet up and talk mm-hmm. about it because mm-hmm. a lot of the faculties in especially in New York they're all adjunct they only teach one class and they teach and they go yeah. so mm-hmm. there's no really a communication between other like with other faculties mm-hmm. uh to be honest like I don't you know, like, I don't know who to talk to, like, if I have some problem, if there's some kind of forum, or like, some place that I could just freely talk about these things, that would be great.
0: Yeah, and I know art schools, because they rely so heavily on adjunct professors mm-hmm. to function. Um But a lot of times, there's little to no oversight over mm-hmm. how people actually conduct their classes. Right. And like, even falling into the job, it's like, I started teaching because I was friends with somebody, right. you know, like, so you get kind of word of mouth That's and you true. kind of fall into it. <laughs> and then there's not a lot of oversight. And then sometimes, like, that doesn't lend itself to the most, um, I guess, controlled environment, right. <laughs> which, you know, can be good in like an art school setting. But when it comes to these really difficult questions, like there has to be some level of centralized
5: sure.
0: conversation mm-hmm. where people can go and like this happened. I don't know what to do, right, like, yeah. or why is this happening? Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea what these kids are talking about. Mm-hmm. Where are they going go
2: to go right. to actually figure that out? Yeah, that's a big question mm-hmm. yeah. because it's an institutional thing. Right.
1: Okay. Yeah. I feel like a lot of that um, just emphasis for, yeah. uh, I don't like diversity and like being able to incorporate into classrooms like comes from administration. And like, I, I do feel like, like sometimes teachers aren't properly equipped for that and then I've I've known students who either take to the internet or like make physical outside of classroom critique sessions in order to get that sort of um you know identity-based critique that they're hoping for but don't receive in the classroom Mm -hmm. um and then so yeah just yeah that was a a big question on
0: that. Yeah, and again, yeah. It's, it's another thing that's outside of the institution mm-hmm. of the academy. Yeah, yeah. You have school
2: administrators yeah. here, because <laughs> so they're it's... more probably more active. <laughs> right, right.
5: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. But it sounds like the Micah students are really good at organizing and yeah. meeting the needs that they don't feel like Micah is meeting for them. And so perhaps it would be the the existence of a committee like the New Visions Committee within the administration that has some structure that the administration can relate to but can funnel these. Because it sounds like you guys are killing it.
1: Yeah, I think the MICA student leaders are all really great. (laughs) 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 Uh, No, but uh, I think they are very uh, great at, like, mobilizing and and, and, um, recognizing uh, what they want from, uh, you know, from their education. And I think that's, like really important that, you know, every, I think a lot of these things start from the student level. Mm -hmm. Um, if you feel like you're not, you know, receiving the education that you want, like, you know, like all those protests that we were talking about uh, happening at all those schools across the country, um, they recognized it, they addressed it, and then, uh, their administration is hopefully, you know, taking action in order to, uh, combat that. So, yeah, I think students, uh, if you feel like something's not right, just go for it, uh, gather your friends and and uh, start conversations. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, a lot. well, you know, when it, when it comes down to the administration, I'll play the devil's advocate. They're always going to be talking about money. Yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, in, in large, like, say Google, for example, if they don't tackle, quote, unquote, the diversity problem, they're going to... Their workforce is going to be diminished they're going to lose revenue that's a very tangible effect Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on their their business and i'm sure the same can be said about our institutions um, moving forward like if we say that there are so many more asian students and international students coming and as the country diversifies and the demographics shift if you don't know how to tackle this stuff then there's nobody going to be coming to your schools um so i think that's a looming problem that i think Institutions can think about in terms of a very real, tangible effect on their their bottom line. Mm-hmm. um Yeah. Okay. So more questions. Uh, Richie says, "I guess Richie Pope. What's up, <laughs> Richie? <laughs> correlations between private art schools versus public universities, and that business education or not. You think? Mm? What's the question?"
3: Well, I Richie, call us. <laughs> I,
5: mean, I, think see, like, I think what he's getting
0: at is like, there was a discussion about the business and like, whether you even got a business education at your school. Mm-hmm. Do, you, does, do you think there's a correlation between a public school versus a private school and whether you're actually going to get those discussions or not? Oh. In private institutions. He went to a university. Like the, like he's coming from, I believe, RBAs a public institution mm-hmm. right you guys are like you know sba all these things i don't know micah but it's private yeah
3: you,
1: there's definitely like classes that cover yeah.
0: Privilege, really. mm-hmm. well yeah yeah it comes kind of down to well, we we're talking about socioeconomics mm-hmm. those are directly tied to race to gender mm-hmm. to sexual orientation um so if you talk about private art schools who's going to those schools as opposed to who's going to the public universities too yeah. there's going to be that level of discrepancy i feel and then it's it's just kind of like privilege building upon itself, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Like, So if a really rich kid goes to a private art college, there's going to be an expectation of him or her, probably him, um, having to come out of the school and hit the ground running because it's kind of expected of the 100000 $120,000, $200,000 that they've paid to get into that school. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you have any maybe insights? MIT
3: at- is not private, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's city. Yeah college and I feel like well maybe because it's different like I I'm in MFA program so it's a little bit different but they they do have um um how do you say like um hmm, sorry I'm so ESL <laughs> <laughs> they have a benefit of having a very cheap tuition mm-hmm. so they don't end up with a student loan after they graduate and i realize mm-hmm. sva or any private call co- uh institution uh whoever graduate they have so much um student loan when they graduate right mm-hmm. and they have to pay off that so there is a benefit to I feel like our program at FIT that it's it's very affordable and we have um um like help from um scholarship and things like that. So um I don't know what I was going to well, say. So
0: it, <laughs> helps, it helps attract you know SVA is kind of it's got it's kind of skylined in terms of visibility. People know where, it, like, people know what it is in South Korea. They know where it's in Seoul. There's, you know, there's commercials for it, like in China and stuff like that. Like, Me
1: too.
5: <laughs>
0: yeah. It, but but one of the things that would draw people to that school was like. Oh, I graduated from SVA, and I like I just made it big, and I'm huge. I'm Marcus Chen, and I'm uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <or> whatever. <laughs> you
3: um, didn't even go to I that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a huge, and you're huge. huge.
0: <laughs> but say that if you have one rock star that comes out of there even if they were saddled with $200,000 $200, of debt, they, they made it, and then...
3: Yeah, it's... But then it's, it's up to
0: the school to, like, have yeah. to make sure at least one of those people make it out. Right. You know,
3: and, <laughs> and talking about, like, in such a small community, though, like, who... Like, people don't usually know. Illustration has an MFA, <laughs> you know, degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's It's... I don't know if the school name really speaks in that sense.
0: Maybe, yeah. Yeah. All right, So, last question. Is the market reflecting and supporting our growing set of diverse artists? What about students who are afraid to create a portfolio with mostly African-American, Asian characters who are afraid that they won't get work because of that? I often struggle with giving real advice on that issue. My advice is that diversity goes both ways, but I'm curious as to what others think.
2: I know that when I was first starting out, uh, I specifically did not, um, I geared my portfolio specifically to uh, ensure that I was getting work. You know, you've heard this phrase, don't create a portfolio that will get you um, work, create a, a book that will get you the kind of work that you want you know but i created a book yeah i created a book that was rooted in fashion and lifestyle but i was also creating work that i knew would get me would make me money mm-hmm. you know because you know, i was making $8.37 an hour i was sleeping on a sleeping bag on the floor in a living room that i shared one bedroom apartment that i shared with my friend um and i just wasn't making enough money you know and I wanted to make money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being completely honest. Yeah. You know, my, I had zero support from my, I mean, my dad paid my rent once in like the early 2000, like maybe when I was 27, he paid, you know, gave me $400 cause I almost missed rent, but you know, not to be too long winded about it, you know, back then I couldn't create the portfolio that I wanted to create because, you know, um, I was afraid, yeah. you know. Yeah. I was afraid that I couldn't be, support myself. I was afraid that it wouldn't be successful
5: mm-hmm.
2: in, uh, I guess, more of a, in a conventional way or a traditional way, stereotypical way, successful. And I, you know, I didn't have the confidence, you know, like, yeah, I just didn't have the confidence to create the types of images that I wanted to. Um, because I didn't come from a family who championed Mm -hmm. um, me in that capacity. And so it took me, so, you know, I spent years creating this portfolio that I liked. I enjoyed it, you know, and it's making me money. And I got, you know, I luckily got some, you know, good ad jobs that... Provided me with more freedom. And it was a very, and it wasn't until 2005 when I moved to New York that, and then I met Yuko Shimizu and Katie Amazaki and like a whole bunch of like former graduates from SVA who started to talk about the meaning of work, one's work, and the importance of, you know, one's personal story and personal vision and, and, and artistic expression and et cetera, et cetera. Like before that, it didn't even matter to me, you know? And so, fortunately, I was at a point financially where I could begin to explore uh, topics that were about, you know, mostly sexual orientation and race. But before that I couldn't. So, you know, I know that a lot of my former students, a lot of my students, they wanna just like graduate and like, you know, just, you know, run out of the gate or, you know, Mm -hmm. and just like be sprinting. Um, But it doesn't happen like that for everybody. We all have our own pace and time. And for me, my my pace and time was much slower than some of my, you know, colleagues and former students and and i had to wait and that's just feel, the reality yeah,
3: i feel like maybe in the school we don't really talk about we just concentrate in seeing very like a one two percent of the illustrator who are stars yeah. and who get out of the uh, school and they they just have so much work that they can just live as a freelancer mm-hmm. like we don't really talk about most of the illustrator who graduate, and we all have part time job, or just you know doing so many other things to just scrape off and just survive. Like we don't really spotlight and talk about that. Like in school, I I don't.
4: Yeah. Well, I I don't. I feel the exact fear that you're describing. You, you know, and I it, it, it's a different time, and that fear shouldn't necessarily it's not necessarily justified but when you are just starting out it is you know creating work that you that you want to sell and so it's you know less it's less I I find that tendency to be funneled into something I, I had a professor tell me that my work needed to be cooler like that kind of thing and so it's you know he told me to look at more at more tumblr um, really? but but you know so so then it's like that voice <laughs> well, is the, right so there's that voice you know i think that tendency that fear of like okay mm-hmm. i i understand that i that work has a bigger meaning and i do want to tell the story but i also really want to pay the bills right yeah. now mm-hmm. so i'm kind of willing to do whatever it takes right. and it's funny
3: though because i feel like um in education, that's like the last thing you say. Like, well, go with the trend. Yeah,
4: yeah. it wasn't a yeah. Yeah. it wasn't a stellar class, but it made me so mad. I kind of pushed against it, which yeah, was good. Yeah, yeah. But you know, like that right. that that fear, I totally connect with that fear that you're that you're talking about. You know, and I have a completely different background from you, but it's still I think that's pr- pretty common. I don't know how you feel, Cynthia, that just like all of a sudden school's over, and it's like oh that that freedom that I was just gonna be me and do me mm-hmm. is is definitely, got it got scary a little.
3: Well, I, I mean, like, in reality, yeah, you have to do ev- any job that you can get, yeah. like, to mm-hmm. survive just in New York or wherever yeah. you are. So you will get, you know, those jobs that you don't want to do. Yeah. But um, that's life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. But I think, I think that's... The, I'm sorry.
0: Well, the, I guess the... The argument would be that the, you make the best work when you're making it about the subject matter that you really like, yeah. perhaps, mm-hmm. and that pushes you further. And that it, what you're making doesn't necessarily have to not make money, yeah. Um, especially if it is the best possible work that you're going to be creating.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, the hope is that that's actually going to draw more people to you, yeah. and that's going to give you an edge in terms of your market value, quote unquote. Yeah,
3: that's, I mean, it's it's important that you just do your own work even though you do commercial work mm-hmm. like the balance between your uh, working on your own work and doing commercial work um you just need to keep make time and do that otherwise i think a lot of people can get lost or get even bored at mm-hmm. doing illustration yeah
0: well cool so we're at three o'clock if you have any last parting shots you want to take it at anybody or uh, (laughs) any issue or anything
4: No, just thank you yeah thank you yeah Yeah, absolutely so
0: thanks everybody in the chat thanks everyone that's listening um thank you for all of our guests for donating your time and yeah so hopefully we're going to continue the conversation in the next podcast we'll let you guys know when where what that's going to be about um but until next time thanks
3: Thank you.